Well, Big 12 Media Days is in the books, and what a great couple of days it was. I'm Pete Mundo, a special edition taking you into the weekend of Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. So we got back from a couple of great days in um, in Arlington at Jerry World for Big 12 Media Days. It was so great to be back, uh, feeling just a sense of normalcy. Being there, other media members, coaches, players, just a great time. And it was myself, Matthew Postens, Derek Duke. We have a ton of great content up on the site right now. I hope you'll check out. Uh, it was just an absolute blast. And, um, you know, I, I think about each team, and I'll go through this here in a second, but each team really has reason for optimism. And I feel like that's something that we have not been able to say for some time in the Big 12, and that's just encouraging to me as a fan of this conference. So we'll go team by team on just kind of my thoughts on each team, how this week went. And by the way, uh, please take a moment out. Many of you have done this, by the way, since I've uh, been mentioning it. We've got 378, 378 ratings and reviews on this podcast and iTunes. I'd love to get to 400 by the season because if I can get to 400 by the season, I mean, we're already beating. We're already beating uh, The Athletic and CBS and ESPN in Big 12 podcasts. But we can do even more if you can keep helping us rise up these rankings. So leave us a rating and a review. Send me a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com, and I'll get you a free koozie of ours, the only place you can get this koozie is by sending me a screenshot of your rating and review and um, doing it that way. So that's the only way to get this koozie, and I've got them, and I'm sending them out every single week. So thank you guys for taking out 30 seconds and doing that. It really helps out tremendously. So let's go team by team. We'll just go in alphabetical order. Start with the Baylor Bears. Dave Aranda, that dude, I you know I don't know how many of you watch Big 12 Media Days, but uh, – they allow the media to ask questions. You got to raise your hand, and you know uh, they broadcast at ESPNU and things like that. So I asked uh, two questions: uh, one on the first day, one on the second day. First day was to Matt Campbell. Second day was to Dave Aranda. And I asked Dave Aranda about the defense in the Big Twelve compared to the SEC and the Big Ten, where of course he had spent time. And he gave the most descript answer that I've ever gotten from a head coach talking about X's nose and things like that. It was outstanding. Um, so uh, he said, by the way, that he sees the Big 12 being a defensive conference. All right? That's what he said. And he went on to say, I look at Coach Gary Patterson, what he's done, playing defense in this conference for a long time. Look at OU. Look at Iowa State. I think the league offensively is changing. It's coming from a 10-personnel spread to more of a 12 personnel, one back, two tight end look. There's going to be more one back, three tight ends. The league is looking more like the Big Ten than the 10 personnel spread it used to be. And he just went on to rave about uh, this conference and the adjustments that it makes and the fact that it is on the cutting edge. And Mike Gundy doubled down on this too when I asked him. He said the Big 12 is the trendsetter. And he's right about that. The Big 12 is the trendsetter. And this conference is playing defense. And you know what? I'm glad that these coaches are valuing that, are respecting that, and are realizing that, you know what, uh, we 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 got to be proud of what we're doing here in the Big 12 on the defensive side of the ball. And we're going to scream it at the rooftops and hope that ESPN will eventually listen through the um, SEC lens that they see everything through 
They're the worldwide leader. Worldwide leader. Worldwide leader of what? Of kissing the SEC's ass? I mean, come on. My goodness. That's the only thing ESPN leads in these days worldwide. I mean, they don't lead in much else at all. Not ratings, that's for sure. Not ratings. Jeez. All right, let's talk about Iowa State. Um, Iowa State, this team has gone from the hunter to the hunted, and that changes the game. We've talked about that on this show before. But they go from the hunter to the hunted. Not every team can handle that well. I believe Iowa State can. And the vibe I got is that they'll be able to handle it well. So I mentioned to you guys that, you know, the other question that I asked at Big 12 Media Days, I mean, afterwards you have these breakout sessions where you can always get in whatever question you want. But in terms of being on the TV, the big screen, uh, I asked Matt Campbell, I said, listen, if there's a critique of your program, it's these slow starts, right? And if you want to win a college or get to a college football playoff, you you can't have a a Louisiana. You can't have an Iowa loss. Uh, You don't want to be playing triple overtime against Northern Iowa, right? So how do you kind of – Get that on track. Now, I got a very coach-speaky answer, holistic approach, and, and that's fine. I mean, that's who Coach Campbell is, and he's a hell of a ball coach. So who am I to question how he answers uh, things in the media? But he did basically take responsibility and say, well, it's on me. Uh, but I still – I didn't feel like I came away thinking like there's a, there's a formula there to make sure the slow starts don't happen. And that's really the only critique of the Iowa State football program under Matt Campbell, right? It's the slow starts. I mean, there's really nothing else to critique. But if you want to pick at something, that's it. And normally it wouldn't matter. Like, if your goal is 9-3, and three, a slow start doesn't matter. Because you don't get the conference play until late September anyway. But if your goal is college football playoff, which it should be for Iowa State this year, then there, you, you can't have a slow start. Like, you lose to Iowa, the playoffs not happening. All right? I, it's just, it's not. So, unless you run the table and beat OU twice and all that stuff, which, you know, it's, but let's be honest. You lose to Iowa, it ain't happening. Okay? So, now, you got to say, okay, how does Iowa State, first off, not get off to a slow start and also deal with being the hunted? I feel good about them dealing with being the hunted. I think they got so many veterans, returning starters on this team. Uh, these guys are focused. I mean, Brees Hall, I came away amazed. At, at by Brees Hall as a person, uh, I mean his ability to just answer questions, sharp, humble, thoughtful. I was blown away by Brees Hall, but I still didn't come out of media days feeling like there was a real reason for why the slow starts have happened, identifying them, and then feeling like there was a plan in place to avoid them this year. I didn't. But once again, I hope I'm wrong about it, but I didn't feel great about that. But boy, I mean, just these guys that that Matt Campbell has brought to this program and Brees Hall's at the top of the list. Holy cow. That dude is impressive. Really impressive. At Kansas, you know, I'm not trying to... (laughs) They just make it too easy. I don't know what else to say. (laughs) Kansas makes it too easy. Um, They didn't make it to Big 12 Media Days. They ended up on Zoom. Because I guess their private jet couldn't take off from Lawrence. Now, I'm in Kansas City, so I was texting my wife. And uh, they had some severe weather uh, on Thursday morning. And I guess Kansas, I don't know, the plane had issues. or The weather was too bad for the private jet. I don't know. But, like, here's what I don't get, okay? So Kansas does its whole thing on Zoom. They didn't show up on Thursday morning. Here's what I don't get, though. You ever heard of a weather forecast? Uh, hello? 
have you ever heard of a weather forecast? I mean, we, like, you can get a weather forecast at weather.com. You can get a 30-day a weather forecast in some places. If you know it's going to rain Thursday morning, which, you know, my wife and I had talked about because she's with the kids and, you know, I'm out of town. So she's like, oh, it's going to rain Thursday. Got to figure out something indoors Thursday morning. If you think you might have some bad weather, can you get on a plane Wednesday night and get down to Big 12 Media Days, damn it? I mean, my goodness. How does that happen? Holy cow. Are you kidding me? Like I said, I'm not trying to sit here and bag on Kansas nonstop, but, like, it's just the most Kansas thing ever. Oh, gosh. It just, uh, when they announced it, it was like, really? And imagine covering Kansas. You get down there Wednesday night, and the team you're there to cover uh, was back home, back home in Lawrence. Like, it's just, oh, gosh. Now, Lance Leipold seems like a great dude. He seems like a really kind of old-school football guy. Uh, God bless him trying to turn this thing around. I'm pulling for him. I really am. I'm pulling for him. I'm pulling those players, some of who are dealing with, you know, uh, four position coaches since they've been there. I mean, that's very difficult, and I'm pulling for those guys. But, boy, that was the most Kansas thing to not even show up because of bad weather and be on Zoom. Kansas State, it's interesting to me that, like, Chris Kleiman, the reason that he has not gotten – I don't want to say more flack because he's done a really good job stepping in for a legend in Bill Snyder. But those OU wins have really carried him the first two years, right? And he doesn't want to talk about them. Because uh, that's what everyone asks. Like, how do you beat OU? How are you 2-0 and o against OU? Now, if I'm Chris Kleiman, you kind of embrace that because it's like, well, let's not talk about our losing streak at the end of the year, right? Let's not talk about that. So I, I embrace it, but clearly Kleiman has kind of turned the page. Like, I don't think he really... And I get it. Last year doesn't leave a good taste in your mouth with the way it ended with six straight losses. So I understand that. And that OU win feels like a lifetime ago anyway, the 38-35 victory last September. But he was kind of like over it, you know, and I thought that was interesting because he could use those OU wins as, yeah, look at what I do. I beat the top team of the conference. They win the Big 12 championship, but they can't beat me. Like, he doesn't do that. And I respect Chris Kleiman actually more for not doing that because a lot of guys are trying to hang their hat on that, on that issue on those wins, and he's like, nah, I'm moving on. I don't like how last season went. Um, I want to see how this season goes. And I thought Skylar Thompson, I, I really like Skylar Thompson as well. Just as a person, watching him interact with the media and seeing how that went, went uh, I thought he was a really impressive dude too. So that was my takeaway from K-State. From Oklahoma, um, you know, Lincoln Riley's Lincoln Riley. I, I mean, he doesn't give you much, you know? I guess for me, I think about Lincoln Riley and OU in general, and I think about uh, what exactly it's going to be like for these guys and name, image, and likeness. Because OU's got a ton of stars, right? You got Spencer Rattler, Heisman favorite. You got a ton of offensive talent, guys like Eric Gray, Tennessee transfer, Kennedy Brooks, Marvin Mims, defensively, Nick Benito, guys along those lines. I mean, it's an impressive list, impressive group. So how are they going to handle that? How does Lincoln Riley balance that with a bunch of stars uh, that also want to obviously go win a national title? How does Spencer Rattler, who's only a true sophomore, or only a sophomore, how does he deal with that, right? Like, how does how does that work for him? And and that's something that um, remains to be seen. And, and he feels good about it. He thinks that Spencer's got a good head on his shoulders. So uh, that's, to me, one of the most important things I'm watching for him. 
right? That that's it right there. Did I say sophomore? I mean, he's technically a redshirt sophomore, but you guys get what I mean. So we're ready for Spencer Rattler. I want to see if he can win the Heisman Trophy, and and we'll go from there. Um, Oklahoma State. <laughs> Mike Gundy is such a piece of work at these Big Twelve Media Days. He really is. So Mike Gundy, there's a picture up on our Instagram page. You should follow us, by the way, on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We're in all those places. But um, a picture of Mike Gundy on our Instagram page of him at his press conference, and he's got no shoes on. Yeah, he's got no shoes. Yeah, don't take my word for it. Just go to our Instagram page, search Heartland College Sports. Mike Gundy's sitting there with his dress socks uh, on, his shoes on the floor. Just classic Mike Gundy. He's also cut the mullet. The mullet is gone. Sayonara. See you later. The biggest thing for this team, and Spencer Sanders was there, sharp guy, is his development and his growth. Spencer Sanders has got to take that next step. And I'm very curious to see if he can do it. I question if he can do it, to be totally honest. I'm not sitting here like, yep, he's definitely going to do it. He's going to have a breakout year. I don't, I don't feel great about it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet on it. But a part of me just, honestly, a part of me looks at it and just kind of thinks like Spencer Sanders is who he is. In the words of Denny Green, they were who we thought they were. He is who he is. You know, like that's just kind of um, how I've thought of Spencer Sanders here this offseason. I mean, the guy, if you look at it, actually, uh, the guy's stats, 2019 and 2020, are almost identical. Literally. Same exact completion percentage. Um, same amount of completions, 155 each year. He threw for 2,065 yards in 19, 2,007 yards in 2020. The touchdowns were off by two. The interceptions were off by three. He was sacked 18 times both year. I mean, his, his numbers are literally identical, 19 to 20. So can he take, will he take that next step? I, I don't know. But if he can, Oklahoma State's your dark horse in the Big 12 to crash the championship game against Oklahoma and or, or or Iowa State. Like, they're, they're the team, right? But uh, I got to see it to believe it with Spencer Sanders. And Mike Gundy knows that, too. Mike Gundy knows that, too. Let's go to uh, Texas. So, you know, usually new head coach, you want to endear yourself to the media a little bit. Uh, let's just put it this way. That doesn't appear to be Steve Sarkeesian. Not that he's grumpy. All right? He's not grumpy. Seems pleasant. But he was late. He was late to everything he did. Um, And maybe that's just part of being the Texas head coach, but I don't remember Tom Herman being late like this. So they start you off. Each coach does 20 minutes from the podium from the stage, right, with the the media, everybody and anybody. And that's the stuff you see on TV. So they got to keep that going because of the TV schedule. So Steve Sarkeesian was scheduled to go from 1240 to 1 o'clock. Or uh, no, 1235 to 1255. He didn't show up till about he didn't get on stage till about uh 1243-ish. So he's up there for 12 minutes instead of 20. And then, you know, everyone wants to talk to him. He's the new Texas head coach. He takes 12 minutes of questions. Now, TV's got to move, right? That's how TV works. But there were a lot of frustrated reporters who were like, dude, you showed up eight minutes late. Come on. I mean, we're trying to ask you questions, do our job, help us here, okay? Help us. And then for the breakout session, which is where it's more individualistic, it doesn't show up on TV, get more one-on-one with the guy. The coaches are all starting at about 12. Uh, that was about 3.30. They started. 3.30 to 4 is their window. Sarkeesian shows up at 3.40. I don't know where he was. I know that they have other obligations, so it could have been way out of his hands. 
But, I mean, he was the only coach who was late, so I, I don't know what that's all about. I can't figure that one out. If it's TV to blame, that's fine. Blame ESPN. No skin off my back. I'm happy to blame ESPN for anything and everything. I mean, when it rains outside, I blame ESPN. So that's okay. But uh, let's just put it this way. No other coach was late like that. Now, he did stay a few minutes beyond 4 o'clock. He did stay a few minutes beyond 4 o'clock, but, but – um, it wasn't a great uh, – there were a lot of grumbling Texas reporters, I'll put it that way. And when you're the Texas head coach, y- you want the media to at least be on your side before you coach your first game. I mean, there's plenty of time for them to rag on you. You know what I'm saying? So that was, uh, th- that was probably not ideal for Steve Sarkeesian. And he used a couple of Tom Herman-isms. Winning is hard. Like, no, that was, that was Tom Herman's – Famous line, infamous line, I should say. Winning is hard. And he used that too. And let's just put it this way. Texas fans were cringing at that one. And the reporters were like, don't say that. That's that's a dirty phrase around here. Tom used that all the time. Winning is hard. Well, thank you. And you're paid millions of dollars to do it. So next. Uh, so I, it wasn't a great, great start, I would say, for Steve Sarkeesian. Uh, Texas Tech, speaking of the media, uh, Matt Wells you know, each coach does a half hour. Matt Wells went 45 minutes, all right, uh, and he was still going. I had to leave to catch a plane to Kansas City, but he was still going. Um, that's how you endear yourself, by the way. But more importantly, I mean, forget all that media stuff. Uh, Matt Wells is very confident in this team. You know, Matt Wells, I, I think, is more confident than, obviously, those of us outside looking in are. But I believe he he thinks he's got the quarterbacks, whether it's Tyler Shuck, the transfer from Oregon, or others. And he's got the defense that he didn't have to build in year three. And he's got to show that build. He's got to show that improvement this year, does Matt Wells. I mean, there were calls for his his job after last season. I didn't think that was fair, but some were doing it. Uh, He's got to show growth. And and he seems sneaky confident to me in a way I didn't expect. For a guy that's, you know, if anybody in the Big 12, he's probably got the hottest seat, right? And um, uh, let's just put it this way. He seemed more confident than I expected. So maybe that's a team to keep an eye on as we get closer to the season. We could talk more about the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Uh, TCU, speaking of confidence, Gary Patterson seems to finally have the confidence on offense that he hasn't had really since 2017. And you've had three mediocre years since then for TCU. So I know we picked TCU to finish third in um, in the conference in our Heartland College Sports preseason poll. And, uh, you know, some people were like, there you guys go. Your uh, TCU's becoming like Texas. Overrate them every preseason. Maybe, maybe, and I get it. You want to see it to believe it. I mean, TCU's now about 500 over the last three seasons. So, but the defense has always been there. That's my thing. The defense has always been there. It's been the offense. And Max Duggan is a guy who's finally got another year under his belt. Jerry Kill's offense, learning that system. And, you know, Jerry Kill kind of walked into the tough spot last year where he wants to put in some new tweaks and some new systems and whatnot. And he's basically the offensive coach, for lack of a better phrase. And then COVID hits, you know? So this is finally the year where if Max Duggan's going to be the kind of quarterback that we think he can be, uh, you got to see it. He's got the pieces around him and Quentin Johnson and, and Zach Evans and a solid offensive line. The Memphis Tramper's in the mix there too. So there's a confidence that uh, 
that uh, TCU has not had from what I've seen out of Gary Patterson on the offensive side of the ball in quite some time. West Virginia, and this kind of all weaves together, actually. I'm talking about confidence for these three teams, but it's true. I, I mentioned that Tech may be a surprise team that we should talk more about. Neil Brown, that dude was spicy. He was spicy. All right? So, Neil Brown um, was taking shots at Texas, uh, you know, so during the media gaggle, he was getting questions from guys, and, you know, he got a question from some Austin-based reporters, Texas-based reporters. Finally, he gets a West Virginia guy to ask him a question. He's like, it's nice to get a question from someone who's not uh, associated with the Longhorns. I don't know. He's just, like, kind of funny, taking shots, showing personality that I didn't realize was there. Those of us in the media that aren't, you know, with him every day don't realize is there. And that was just fun. Um, it was it was a different side of him that I didn't know was there. And you want to talk about feeling like you have a team that people are not projecting to be that good, that you think is a lot better. I think Neil Brown's got something going there with West Virginia. That offensive line uh, can hold its own, which I believe it can. I think it's going to be a, a, a pretty underrated offensive line. He was raving about Jared Daigie's improvements in the offseason, and God knows they need that. And if the defense can build off of last season, maybe not be quite as good. They lost some key players. We know that to the draft and the transfers. Uh, but if they can kind of hold their own on the defensive side and build on the offensive side, Letty Brown was there, seemed like a real good dude, real sharp guy, then they've got something going there in Morgantown that we may also not be paying enough attention to. So Neil Brown was a hoot, and it was uh, it was fun to see that side of him. Just a fun chance to see the different side of all of these guys as well. And uh, that was great. And I want to mention, speaking of guys who were fun, you know, I mentioned Steve Starkeesian in Texas, but Bijan Robinson, impressive as they come. Thinking through the list real quickly, I didn't get to see every player. I didn't because, you know, I'm trying to keep up with 10 teams here. It was five on Wednesday, five on Thursday. The two most impressive guys that I came across, Bijan Robinson and Brees Hall. Big 12's got a great stable of running backs. This conference should be very proud of these dudes. But those were the two guys, when you combine maturity, personality, uh, humility, uh, put it all together, and those two guys were really just, they, they, they knocked my socks off. I was very, very impressed by each of them, Brees Hall and B. John Robinson. So, guys, uh, thanks for joining us here. Special post-Big 12 Media Days podcast. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly. Part of HeartlandCollegeSports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. Before you go anywhere, please leave a rating and a review. Just take a minute out on iTunes, um, hit that subscribe button, leave a rating and a review. We'll take you, what, 20 seconds? Write something nice about the show if you can. And then send me a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at HeartlandCollegeSports.com, and I'll get a koozie in the mail for you guys, a Heartland College sports koozie in the mail. Not any koozie, our koozie, which you can only get through the podcast. Thank you guys so much. Spread the word to your friends. Share it as well. We appreciate you guys, and we'll talk to you soon. Have a great weekend.